0: Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order.
1: Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hey, everybody, welcome to Everyday Acupuncture Podcast. Today, my guest from Brooklyn, New York, is Barry Strugatz. Barry is a filmmaker, a writer, and director. You may have heard of some of his work, Married to the Mob. And he recently has been working on a new film on the subject of Taiji, going over the life and uh, influence of a very famous Taiji master, Cheng Man Ching. And we're going to talk about the film. We're going to talk about Taiji and what brought Barry to all of this. Barry, welcome to Everyday Acupuncture.
2: Thanks, Michael. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah, good to have you. You're in Brooklyn, so it might get noisy on occasion, right?
2: Yeah, I'm across the street from a firehouse, so you might have some sirens or horns.
1: <laughs> all right. That 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 will, that way we will know this is a live show. Good. <laughs> yeah. So you're a filmmaker, you're a writer, a director, you've worked on all kinds of stuff. I'm curious to know what drew you to doing this film on Taiji and why Chung Man Ching in particular.
2: Okay, be, well, about. That- 25 years ago, I was um, looking to – I had a couple of friends who were into martial arts, Aikido and Karate, and they were um, suggesting I get into some sort of martial art. And I thought it would be a a good idea, um, mostly as a form of exercise. And um, somehow I found – I thought Tai Chi would be a good um, practice to take up. Uh, something i could do you know if i was fortunate enough to live to old age and i could just keep doing it and it didn't didn't seem to be uh um harmful to the body or anything like that um so somehow i i i found the um tai chi and it just so happens that the the school and teachers that i studied with were in the chang man ching lineage and um so i um the the teachers i've had have, have all been Either direct students of Chang Man Ching, or in his lineage, and Chang Man Ching uh, lived. He died in 1975, and um, I started studying in the late 80s, so he had been gone for a while at that point. And then later, uh, around um, closer to the uh, uh, to the year around, I think it was around the year 2000, one of his senior students who I knew slightly, Stan Israel, um, had died, and I. I realized that a lot of the, the stories that I've been hearing and a lot of the lessons from Chang Man Ching were in danger of being lost. So I approached one of my teachers, Ken Van Sickle, and Ken um, is a great cinematographer. He he shot a lot of films, feature films and documentaries, and he's also a great uh, still photographer. And he's the one who was kind of like the uh, official or unofficial photographer for the Chang Man Ching School. And all, most of the stills you see of him were taken by Ken. And Ken thought it was a great idea, so we decided to um, start interviewing um, people who had studied with Cheng man Chang in New York. So that started in 2002, and we kept doing it over the years, and, and finally um, we um, had enough footage to go, and we did a Kickstarter campaign to, to raise more. Because basically up until we were ready to edit, everybody had contributed their efforts and their equipment and everything like that. So we needed to raise money to hire editors and do all the post-production, which can be very expensive. So we started editing, and now we've just finished the film, and we're getting ready to release it now.
1: Great. We're going to get into more about the film and where people can see it and all that a little bit later in the show, uh, because I want folks to be able to have access to it. It sounds like this is something that has been a long time in the making, well over a decade. Yes so a lot in it you mentioned that there were stories and lessons that you were concerned and actually not just you but you know his other students too it sounds like were concerned about getting lost could you share some of those with us what are some of the the lessons either that you that came out in the movie or things that you've learned yourself in the process of practicing tai chi that our listeners might find of interest or might find helpful in their own life
2: well just to um, talk about Tai Chi itself first, Tai Chi is, it was started, it's a, it basically it's a form of exercise. It originally started as a fighting art, as a martial art, and it has different aspects to it. There's a um, self-defense martial art aspect to it. There's the exercise. It's very gentle and very has a lot of um, beneficial health aspects to it. And it's also, um, a, there's a spiritual meditation aspect to it. So um, the thing that, made Cheng Man Ching special and unique among uh, Tai Chi teachers and masters was that um, he was besides being a a, a Tai Chi master he was a physician primarily an herbalist he was a painter, a poet, a philosopher so he had all these different uh, they called excellencies and they were all rooted in Chinese culture and philosophy, Taoism and Confucianism so, basically, Cheng Ching, when he, he came over here in the, in the early 60s, and there were a few teachers here already, but he was really the first Chinese teacher who was really um, fluent in all these different practices and studies. And w- what he always emphasized was, in his Tai Chi form, was uh, relaxation and basically having the body move in a natural way and, and have the body and the mind work together and he also there was also um the way he taught also which we show in the film is that he was very non-judgmental and he was taught people how to get along in a very ethical way which is a, a you know a, Confucianism has a lot to do with ethics and the daoist aspect is like the body movements in tai chi they're all related to nature you use natural forces You get, you don't fight them you go with them gravity and momentum all these things go together so there's a lot of the philosophy behind uh, Tai Chi that um, Chang emphasized.
1: You know, that, that is such a... I'm just taken here by what you just said about the movement being gentle and, and with ease, you're not going against things. That is so antithetical to the way that most of us here in the West have been brought up and believe that life works. Usually we think we have to effort our way into something. We have to push and we have to struggle. And it, it sounds like your experience with the Taiji is that it's the complete opposite.
2: Exactly. You have to sort of let go and, let, and go with things and not fight them. Ed Young, one of his teachers, who's also a, a, a great teacher now himself and an artist, uh, he says in the beginning of the film that the Western thing is a man against nature, man fighting nature without man realizing that he's a part of nature. And that was one of Cheng's, uh, I think, important lessons. Also, Cheng, when he came here from, he was originally from mainland China. Then he, um, after the Chinese Revolution, he went to Taiwan. And then he came here. He was actually in his 60s when he came here. But he came from a very conservative background, um, a very traditional background. And when he came here in the early 60s, a lot of his students were hippies and radicals. And, you know, he had came from a system that was very um, regimented and the master you know was at the head of the class and when he came here he realized that if he taught the way he did in China very strict and he wouldn't have any students so there was an influence um, the students were looking for new things that the Vietnam War was going on there was a lot of um, social upheaval and um, they were open to to, um, to Eastern ideas and at the same time Chang was I think influenced by his students so he became much more relaxed and easygoing and it was sort of like this really nice mixture of East and West
1: at a really fertile time, too. It sounds like Chang influenced his students, and his students also deeply influenced how he was as a teacher.
2: Right, definitely. Yeah. He was, uh, yeah. He, he sort of, and he sort of broke the mold of how martial arts was taught. I think uh, that he was just very you know, sort of relaxed. And you'll see in the film we have a, a lot of old footage. You'll see people having a good time there; they're having fun. There's one of the sirens. <laughs>
1: Could we take this in, in a slightly personal direction? Sure. Okay. So I'm curious. You, you're talking about Tai Chi as a process of letting go. And it sounds like you yourself are a long-term practitioner of this, of this art and practice. Is that correct?
2: Uh, yes. Not on a high level, but on a long-term practitioner.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, high level. Who knows what high level is, right? So I'm curious. You talk about letting go and going, going with things as they are, moving in direction of ease Yet, when I think of someone like you—you're a writer, you're a director, you're working in the film world—how do those two things go together? Because it seems to me now, I'm an outsider. I don't know anything about your world, but it—it it seems that's a pretty high-pressure, go-go world. How does Tai Chi inform your life in in that world?
2: Well, I think, you know, I think a lot of us our natural inclination is to clash and to get our way, but I think. And we have to, you know, whether we detach here or not, we have to sort of like um, try to, to go against that. But just as sort of a one specific example, I guess I'm thinking of is when you're directing a scene in a film, you could say the camera goes here and tell the actors, do this, do that. Yeah. That's a very kind of forcing your vision in and, and, and trying to get people to, to go along with it the better way which a lot of um filmmakers do which is kind of in the tai chi mold is that you sort of like let the actors feel their way around you you sort of hold back your opinions to see what's going to happen and transpire in front of you and then you adapt to that because that's usually you can make really good discoveries that way so i guess there's an aspect of um tai chi where you try to be in the moment and see what's happening in front of you, and really observe and listen. That's an important part of of the documentary, where people say when we're doing the form, it's a form of meditation in the sense that you're concentrating on an aspect of yourself, and you, and other thoughts aren't racing through your head. So you're trying to say uh, lift your arm or shift your weight, and you're you're so involved with the action you're doing, your your the mind is fully open. Open to what's happening in front of you, how you're feeling, what's you're in the moment. So in that aspect, I think uh, it affects me.
1: So there's this this way that it sort of I want to I guess you could say bends time.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. You can do the form. I mean, people watching the form, they think, oh, it's very slow moving and this and that. But if you're doing it. There's things going on in your body that you're sort of uh, monitoring and and observing. And what seems um, slow-moving and long, if you're actually doing it, it it doesn't seem so long and it doesn't seem so
1: um, slow. So it really shifts where your attentional focus goes.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess people talk about that with the flow state or whatever. When you're doing something sort of like time doesn't exist, kind of. You just get into
1: the now of what you're doing. I think we've all had that experience. Yeah, and it's usually pleasurable. <laughs> so. It tends to be highly pleasurable. Yeah. And, and the other thing about it, at least in my experience, is I cannot make it happen. I cannot effort myself into it. It's a little bit like falling asleep. Yeah. In that it, when the conditions are right, that sort of state naturally arises.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what I think one of the... Um the goals and benefits of Tai Chi, that it it sort of gives you a structure where you can sort of get into that state by doing the form, or if you're doing push hands possibly, uh, that you're, it gives you a a practice where you're moving your body in a certain way, and it gives you, it focuses your mind on, on these aspects of yourself, so you can sort of forget the extraneous
1: thoughts. So for those of us that have this incredible monkey mind that jumps from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, a practice like Tai Chi might help to settle that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a process and it's, you know, none of all of us are, are uh, working on it. I mean, you know, so many times you're doing, uh, in the middle of doing Tai Chi, you're thinking, uh, what am I going to have for lunch or what I have to pick up at the store? So you And you, you try to, you know at least recognize those thoughts and and kind of like get back to your, your practice what you're doing but it's you know it's a constant struggle for all of us i think
1: i hope you've enjoyed the first half of the show now it's time for a word from our sponsor that would be you you could support the effort here by popping over to EverydayAcupuncturePodcast.com and click on the link to support the show and leave a few dollars that will help to keep some inspiration in the teacup. You know, we run on only the finest oolong and poorer teas here at Everyday Acupuncture Podcast Central. No point in going all NPR pledge drive here to remind you that teas like that don't come cheaply. Just know that if you like the show, you can express your appreciation for these interviews with a small donation. As always, I love to get your feedback and ideas for future shows, so send those along too. Thanks again for listening, and now on to the second half of the show. I, I do a little bit of Tai Chi, not as often as I... Well, I was going to say as I should, but it, not as often as uh, my teacher would probably like me to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we, we all go that way.
1: <laughs> and uh, it is—it's interesting. I find that when I'm in the midst of doing it, yeah, there's the stuff in my mind. But because I'm in the midst of doing Taiji, I kind of give the stuff in my mind a break for at least the period that I'm doing it. Yeah. It's like this one little spot in the day where it doesn't matter what's floating through my mind. I, I can have that, but I don't have to act on it right now.
2: Right. It it, carves, it gives it carves out a little like sanctuary for yourself. So.
1: I hadn't thought about it as sanctuary, but that is that's exactly the feeling that it is. In doing this movie, now you you've been studying this for a long time. You've known some of these teachers. You've been and you've been working on the movie for a long time. I'm curious to know what are some of the surprising things for you that came out of this? Lessons that you got, or or insights into what Taiji is, or or Chinese culture and philosophy, for that matter.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I started this, I I thought you know um, we'd interview people, get some interesting stories, but it really gave me a much deeper uh, understanding of what. Tai Chi was, which, uh, which I'm, you know, grateful that it, it happened, because I met all these high-level people, and, uh, you know, they were all different kinds of characters. They all had interesting insights into, in, into the practice. The film is broken up into to, to different aspects. It's, besides having some, you know, informa- biographical information about the professor and his interesting character in life, we have um, a section on form... the the tai chi form on push hands which is the exercise where you try to put the other person off balance but it's a way to test your form to see if you're doing it correctly sword and also we get into um his art his calligraphy and his painting which is related and also his health aspects of it and then we get into the philosophy and i guess that's one area that i i learned a lot about and i guess one of the things was the importance of listening how through the relaxation you, you kind of drop your ego and you're sort of like fully attentive to what's going on around you. If you're pushing hands with somebody, you're much more focused and aware of your own movements and the movements of the person, your partner that you're working with. I mean, so many aspects I learned about the form, how he emphasized relaxation and not using strength. And we have a little section on chi about you know, I mean, you obviously know a lot about that, uh, just how it's this energy coursing through our system and how if you work hard at Tai Chi, you can actually feel it in your body. You can feel it pulsing in your hands. So um, I, I just learned with so much on every aspect of, of Tai Chi. Yeah.
1: You know, the thing about Chi and, and feeling it pulse through your body, it, I mean, qi's such a funny thing, right? It's, it's almost impossible to translate it into English w- right. without beginning to sound kind of new agey and, you know, sure. that sort of thing. And yet, and yet uh, anyone who's seen a person who's not living, anyone, anyone who's seen a dead person can very quickly determine that it's a completely different experience than seeing a live person. There's something essential that's not there. Right. And that is the chi. And it's curious to me, that we have such a hard time noticing our own vitality. I mean, this is the stuff that pumps our heart, calls the tune to our hormonal symphonies, regulates our digestion. There's all this incredible biochemical energy that's flowing through us all the time. And it's, it's a little curious to me that we have to actually slow down and focus and pay attention to even become aware of it when it's the stuff that actually animates everything we do.
2: Yeah, my limited understanding of it, you know, and an experience with it, it's it's very, very, very subtle, and um, and I, you know, I, we have a one photograph of, uh, Chang uh, taking someone's pulse, and I know that, acupuncturists, you're still feeling different pulses, and you know, I mean, I can't even feel my regular pulse, but I, I know there's so many things going on in the body uh, electrically, and it's something that's very hard, I think, especially for Westerners to understand, and I think we just give a hint of it in the film, but I feel certain things in my body when I do Tai Chi that contribute to Chi that I don't feel otherwise, and like what you said in in terms of uh, how hard it is to feel our own bodies, you have to feel your own body before you can feel somebody else's body when you do Tai Chi, because high-level Tai Chi people, and I consider myself kind of an advanced intermediate maybe but people who are really good when i push hands with them or fence with them they can actually feel my body better than myself they can feel what weight which foot my weight is on and different things that i'm hardly aware of so it's
1: it's remarkable isn't it yeah it is yeah it really is i really enjoyed the movie not only because it's visually lovely to watch uh, but of course because i do chinese medicine i was i was quite intrigued about his not only being this master tai chi practitioner and calligrapher, he was also a doctor. Right. And, and there were a couple things in there in particular that just that just tickled me. Uh, there's one woman who talks about some herbs that, that he gave her for something or whatever. And then he wrote another prescription and said, and these are the herbs that you'll take after you have a child. Now, this is this is years in the future that, that this might happen. And yet he's got this glimpse of who she is at this moment in time, which as a Chinese medical doctor also gives him a glimpse at the trajectory that she just might travel in her life and the things that she might need down the road. I was really taken with that piece because it, it really says something about not just Chinese medicine, but how these kinds of practices really take a long view oh, yeah. of how life unfolds.
2: There was also another story which we ended up not using because we didn't have room for it in the film where he examined um, Bill Phillips, who's one of the, his students, and he told him that he had some sort of – and this at this point, he was probably in his 20s or 30s, but he said when he was about three years old, he had some sort of uh, – illness or infection or something like that and he didn't know he went back and spoke to his mother and she confirmed that he did have something when he was three years old that was very similar to what jen manchin was saying so uh yeah it's pretty amazing his um, knowledge as a physician
1: the modern medical testing uh, devices that we have and lab tests and all that stuff is incredible and yet sometimes there's something that came way from our past that still kind of stays with us. And, and those tests don't really show that. And, it, you know, and how someone develops those kind of sensitivities, I think, is, is a huge question. But these kind of practices seem to... Well, you said something about the really masterful Taiji practitioner probably knows more about what's going on in someone's body than they do. They can, they can actually feel into it
2: yeah that that's what they use to push the other person off balance. They can sense when that person where his balance is where his center of gravity is uh, where his um, tension is and use that against the other person but it 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 helps both people i mean the person who's being pushed or whatever it also helps you learn about your own body too so
1: and i'm just thinking as a as a medical practitioner you wouldn't be using that particular Sensing ability to push somebody, but you would be using it to get a sense of who they are and where they are and and where they're headed.
2: Right. You. You. I guess you. F- you feel what's going on inside of them.
1: Yeah. Well, this is making me think I, I should really get back on my Tai Chi practice a bit here.
2: Let's. <laughs> well, that's one of the goals of the film, really, is to you know, besides telling the, the story, is to. I mean, I feel like there's different sort of uh, audiences for this film. One is to people who are curious about it just to introduce them to the practice and to show them the different aspects of it and and how deep you can go if you're interested in it. But if you're if you're not, I mean just on the on the most basic level, just as a an exercise just to get you up and going and, and balance better and, and, and move around, it's it's a great exercise. But it also has these these deep, deeper parts to it. And then also there's the um, – for the people who do already practice Tai Chi, I think it also will give them a, a deeper understanding of, of the practice. And um, and even within those Tai Chi practitioners, there are different audiences. I think there's like, as you said, the woo-woo people who are into more of the new-agey kind of spiritual aspects of it. And then there are more of the hardcore martial artists who are into the, the fighting aspects of it. And um, I'm hoping that the film will um, have something for all these people.
1: How can people – Go about finding the film.
2: We have a great distributor, uh, First Run Features, which specializes in, in documentaries. And um, we're going to w- play for one week. We're going to premiere at the uh, uh, Lamley Music Hall in Los Angeles on May 6th for a week. And then we are uh, in New York. We're going to be showing it at the Museum of the Moving Image in Astoria, Queens, which is actually a movie museum, but they've very kindly in- invited us. Uh, and uh, Warrington Hudlin, who's on the board there, also practices Tai Chi. And he has a series there called Fist and Sword, which are martial arts films. He's been running it for a number of years. So he invited us. And it's one of, actually one of the nicest theaters in New York City. if not the best screen um, because they're funded by all the big Hollywood studios. And it's uh, a movie museum. So that's going to be on uh, Thursday, June 9th. And then um, for general release, the plan is for it to be released as a DVD and video on demand for streaming on uh, July 12th, and we hopefully will get it on Amazon and iTunes and Netflix. So it'll be widely available to people
1: uh, all around the world. And you can just stream it down to your internet-connected device. Yes,
2: and we'll, but also we'll be making DVDs, and the DVDs are going to have some interesting extras. Um, in terms of health, we have a, a really nice interview with Peter Wayne, who's a, a PhD, teaches at the Harvard Medical School, and he wrote the um, Harvard Medical School Guide to Tai Chi. And he talks about the medical research that they're doing at Harvard. They're actually getting scientific evidence of the benefits of Tai Chi. Uh, He talks about um, some studies, that um, uh, how it improves balance, and how people walk, and uh, other aspects. That'll be on there. There should be a a version uh, of Chiang Man Ching doing his whole form, which he he kind of came up with the 37 movement form, uh, shorter than the traditional Yang form. But it really helped modernize Tai Chi because it makes it much more, he took all the, the good aspects of the long form and, and reduced it so which is more in tune to the modern times where people don't have as much time to do the form and this is where you can learn it quicker and, and incorporate it into your daily routine.
1: Yeah, well that's uh, great. So you'll have Cheng Men Chang Ching actually doing the complete form.
2: Yeah, it takes about eight minutes. So this way people can study it and. You know copy it or whatever i mean it's always good to have a, a, a teacher uh but it's a good reference to have so we'll have that we'll have the uh harvard medical school interview and there's a little animation we did uh, about the uh, mythical origin of tai chi and a couple maybe a couple of other little goodies so that's that's a good reason to get the dvd
1: yeah sounds great maybe we could put uh a link or two to some of the research on the show notes page so people can get a taste of what will be on the dvd Sure, we'll try to do that. That sounds good. Barry, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners about the film or about Tai Chi in general before we wrap this up?
2: I would just say that um, you know, if you're curious about Tai Chi, um, check out the film. I think it'll give you a good introduction to the practices of it. There aren't many documentaries on Tai Chi out there, so I think this would be a good reference. And... If you're interested in, in taking up Tai Chi, there are schools all over the country and all over the world, and uh, do a little research, find, talk to people, try to find a teacher you, you like and, and start studying. It's a, it's a very easy practice. Anybody can do it, and uh, there'll be um, many benefits to it. Take it up.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thanks for taking the time to be on the show today. Really appreciate having you here.
2: Thank you, Michael. It's been my pleasure.
1: Have enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture Podcast If so, please take a moment and visit www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com Where you can click on the review on iTunes button To rate and review the show Doing this helps other people to find the show Also, you can express your appreciation By supporting the show with a donation Thanks for listening And be sure to tune in again next time